the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The influences of this age for which we will be held accountable as to how we let them affect us are nevertheless powerful things. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. That these false teachers in distorting the gospel were leading people away from Christ. And Paul was amazed at this. He was wondering how in the world they're able to do it. That any Christian person or church would change the truth of Christianity for any humanly depraved system was to him astonishing. In today's society, evil is immensely normalized. As Christians, it's difficult not to get swept up in the wicked ways of the world. However, we find it a great deal easier when we ask God for guidance. Hi there. Welcome to Abounding Grace, where Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church explains what it means to be delivered from the vile influences of this world. Here's Pastor Gary. The book of Galatians was written to rescue deserters of the Christian church. Deserters who had been seduced from the truth by very persuasive false teachers. From the very beginning, the very first verse of this book, Paul begins his rescue. So there will be no mistake about what the true gospel is. So they will be able to distinguish the real from the counterfeit in verses 3 through 5. As we have been studying, he puts forth the seven basic tenets that we have been studying called the good news from God about God. Now, I keep using that phrase because I believe it is a helpful phrase to, for us to realize the impact of the gospel. It is good news from God, not man, about God not about man, which is the one good news that we as sinners need since we have rebelled against God. We need the good news that God is no longer angry with us, and the good news is the whole story about Jesus Christ. So in the very beginning, Paul sets forth seven basic tenets of the true gospel from God about God. Now, the last two Sundays, I have given these to you in quite a bit of detail. So today, I'm just going to list them for you, and they are taken from verses 3 through 5. Verse 3, the true gospel is a gospel of grace and peace. Second, the true gospel is a gospel that originates from God alone. Man has nothing to do with his own salvation in any way. We saw third that it is a gospel for all sinners. It doesn't matter what your sin may be. God forgives all those for whom he died for. No one 
is too evil for God to save. Fourth, it is a gospel that rests upon the sacrificial and redemptive death of the Lord Jesus Christ alone, as you see in verse 4. He gave himself for our sins. Because of our rebellion, we have brought God's wrath upon ourselves. But Christ came to die on the cross and to redeem us from that wrath so that we might be accepted with him. The fifth tenet is that the gospel is a gospel that delivers believers from this present evil age. And this present evil age is this evil culture in which we live that is built on the principle of revolt against the holy God. Six, it is a gospel that is rooted in the sovereign will of almighty God. Verse four again, we are delivered from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. Our salvation is not based on our will. It is based on God's will. God alone chooses who will receive his salvation and the ultimate goal of salvation, seven, is the glory of God. Now, these are the basic tenets of the true gospel. But people were being subverted from it. They were deserting the divine truth of this gospel. And that has really been a reoccurring problem in the Christian church ever since, beloved. We saw that professed Christians throughout history have often deserted the gospel, and when they do, it puts them in solemn danger. Because as our text says, when they turn from this gospel to another gospel, it turns them into something like cotton candy. You, you know, cotton candy looks great, doesn't it? But when you bite into it, it's not much like steak, is it? No, it dissolves in your mouth. There's really nothing to it. It's just spun sugar. And all other gospels of this world are like cotton candy. There's only one gospel in the world that is the solid truth that actually saves, and that is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ described here by Paul in these seven basic tenets. Nothing else will do you any good. There is no other gospel other than this one. Also, when you turn from the gospel of Scripture to another gospel, and you desert these seven tenets or modify them, any one of them, you are then involved in the denial of the free grace of God, and you make salvation by merit and by behavior and by some worth on your part. But the Bible says salvation is by grace alone. The worst thing about deserting from the gospel is that you are actually departing from Christ himself. It says here in verse 6 that I am amazed you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for another gospel. When you desert his truth for a lesser gospel, a, a different gospel, which is not really another gospel, it is Christ that you are deserting. Because the only way to get to Christ is through this one gospel of sovereign grace that we see recorded in Scripture. 
No other gospel will get you there. Now, this problem of desertion, as I said last week, is aggravated by the presence and the activity of the false teachers within the church. And these false teachers are constantly disturbing the church by dictating and reversing the gospel, tampering with it, modifying one of these seven tenets. So then what should the Christian and the church's response be to all of these false teachers who are the seducers and the seduced, who are trying to modify or change any of these seven basic principles? Well, we find the answer to that in verses 6 through 9. And Paul's response is basically twofold. Let me give you just two words. Astonishment and anathema. Verse 6, I am amazed or astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. The point is that these false teachers in distorting the gospel were leading people away from Christ. And Paul was amazed at this. He was wondering how in the world they're able to do it. That any Christian person or church would change the truth of Christianity for any humanly depraved system was to him astonishing. Why would anyone want to modify or change the best aspect of the gospel? Why would anyone want to believe that God's grace is anything but sovereign grace? Why would anyone want to assert the idea of merit or race into the gospel of Christ? Why would anyone not want to believe That eternal and immutable peace is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Why would anyone not want to believe that the gospel is is in its entirety originated with God? Its planning, its accomplishments, and even its application. Why would anyone want to believe that the gospel in any sense or in the slightest way is something that originates with man's initiative or with man's action, as if man had to take the first step before God could act on man's behalf. Why would anyone not want to believe that Christ's death in our place actually satisfied justice and propitiated God's wrath so that he really obtained eternal redemption for everyone for whom he died? Why would anyone not want to believe that Christ's redemptive work is able to deliver sinners from this present evil age without any assistance whatsoever on man's part? Why would anyone not want to believe that God's will is the determining factor in who will be saved from sin? Why would anyone want to believe that man's will is free from the government of the will of God? Why would anyone not want to live for the glory of God, but would choose rather to live for the applause of man? And there are only two reasons, pride and self-love. 
So Paul is astonished that these people have turned so quickly from the gospel of God's sovereign grace. But the second response he made to this desertion and these false teachers is indignation and an anathema. Look at verses 8 and 9. Even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be an anathema. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. Now, I think you have to agree, these are very strong words. He says, if anyone modifies any of these seven tenets and offers any modification, which most of Christianity offers today, my friends, most Christian churches today offer a modified gospel. It says, let him be accursed. Now, the word accursed is quite a strong word. In Greek, it is anathema. And the word anathema is scary enough in and of itself. But the word it translates out of Hebrew into Greek in the Greek Old Testament is the scariest word I know of in the Bible. And we've talked about this once before. And that Hebrew word is harem, H-E-R-E-M. When the Old Testament was translated into Greek 300 years before Christ, whenever the Hebrew word harem appeared in the Hebrew Bible, the Greeks chose to translate it anathema. And harem means devoted to destruction by God. I want you to see why it is such a scary word. So if you would please turn to Joshua chapter 6. Think about it. How would you like to be devoted to destruction by God? If you had a Hebrew Bible, you would see the word harem. And if you had a Greek Old Testament, you would see the word anathema for destruction. The same one that is in our text that Paul says he wishes those who preach a false gospel would be anathematized or be put under the curse of God. Now, this section of Joshua is about Jericho. I hope everyone knows the story of Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho. Well, let's look and see what really happened there. The Israelites surrounded Jericho and marched around the walled city, blowing the trumpets. And it says, beginning in verse 16, it came about, about at the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for he has given you the city. The city shall be harem under the law devoted to destruction, cursed by God, anathematized. What happens to a city that's placed under the curse of God? Well, Joshua continues. And all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live. 
because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the band or under the anathema, so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the band and make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. But all of the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go to the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. Then they utterly destroyed everything. And the word there again is harem, anathema. And they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Verse 24. They burned down the city with fire. And all that was in it, only the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the Lord. Verse 26. Then Joshua made them take an oath at, the, at that time, saying, cursed, be the, cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son... He shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his name was in all the land. Do you see why harem is the most terrifying thing in Scripture? Whenever God pronounces harem upon a culture, it is totally consumed, never to rise again. Paul says if anyone modifies any of these seven tenets of the gospel of sovereign grace, may God's harem, may God's anathema rest upon that preacher or that teacher. Now, I want you to notice, Paul isn't simply wishing that all those who preach another gospel than the gospel of Paul be anathematized and devoted destruction, and entirely consumed by the wrath of God. He's not expressing his desire. He is giving us a solid affirmation of what certainly will take place. Now, if he was wishing it, that would be holy enough. If Paul were to say, I wish that God would silence all of these that are modifying the gospel by devoting them to destruction so that they would no longer lead people away from the truth, that would be a godly, wholesome desire. But Paul is not simply expressing his desire. He is saying this is a fact. If anyone in any way modifies the gospel of God, he will be devoted to to destruction. I want you to know how universal these words are. They are solemn words. And beloved, please don't get mad at me. I, I didn't write these words. I had nothing to do with the writing of Galatians. 
So please don't get mad at the messenger for delivering the message. But notice verse 8. But even if we or an angel from, a, from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary that, to that which you have received, he is to be accursed. Notice the universality of its scope. Paul says, if anyone from angels in heaven or anyone on the face of the earth, no matter who it may be, if he tampers with the gospel and preaches something of his own making, distorting and reversing the gospel and propagating that gospel, God's curse will rest upon his head. However famous a preacher he may be and however many people have been converted under his ministry, just because God uses a good-for-nothing preacher like me or someone else to save sinners does not mean that you can condone or should condone everything that preacher says. Remember, God used Judas to get Jesus on the cross by which you and I are saved. But does anyone condone Judas? Yet look what happened as a result of Judas's betrayal. So because someone may be a great preacher, because people have been saved under his ministry, does not mean that he is above criticism. It is the gospel he preaches that must always be weighed and judged And Paul says, if anyone preaches any other gospel than the gospel of Scripture, he will be accursed. And he says, even me, the apostle. Notice the deliberate way he says it. Are you out there wondering why he said it twice? He says the same thing twice, just a little different in two consecutive Verses. He says in verse 8, If any angel or anyone, including myself, preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. And then again in verse 9, he says, If anyone preaches to you another gospel contrary to what we preach to you, let him be accursed. Why did Paul say it twice? And then even consecutively. It was to let you and me know. That is not just some rash statement. He hasn't gone off on some emotional tangent, you know, as if he's all worked up and exaggerating and saying things that when he has time and he's calmer and he looks back, thinks, why did I say that? I've listened to some of my sermons from the past And I cringe at some of the things that I've said, beloved. Paul isn't cringing here. Paul says it twice. He is saying to us, I want you to know this isn't an impulse of mine. I am saying this deliberately. I want to show you by saying it twice that this is no excessive, exaggerated statement into which the passion of emotions has rushed over me. This statement is calmly formed. 
and unalterably true. And if anyone anywhere alters the gospel and preaches it, he will be accursed. And notice who he includes first. But even if we, you see, Paul's talking about himself. He's not just throwing stones out of the people. He says, even if I preach another gospel, then what is written here? May I be accursed and devoted to destruction. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.